Welcome to Odd Shape Bulls, a weekly look at all things rugby and NFL. So we're going to start with the NFL this week because uh, it's been a pretty wild off-season thus far. And there's a bit more drama in Cleveland. So Baker Mayfield has been told he will not play for the team. They definitely want him out, but they refuse to let him leave the building until uh, a bit more cash has been ponied up. So, uh, they couldn't have handled this whole situation worse, could they? Nope. Because, you know, we, you were saying, you know, that, you know, because Deshaun Jackson is going to have to have a ban, why wouldn't they keep hold of him to play in his absence? But we also hypothesized about how weird and awkward that would be. So they bring in Brissett. And now, how do you feel if you're another? member of the Cleveland Browns because they've now got the most expensive player in NFL history mm-hmm. and two other quarterbacks and yet they have the second most salary cap available out of the whole of the NFL so they are playing three quarterbacks record amount of money they must be paying the rest it's everybody else on paper round money yeah pretty much I think you get like a bowl of chilli at the end of the game it's like <laughs> It's like it's, it's it's like playing minis rugby. You just there you go. There's your hot dog and your sausage off your pot. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's it's crazy. I think that, um, especially in a team where you think, oh, if that if they've gave Deshaun Watson a few interesting weapons, that that could be a really interesting team next year. I guess not. I mean, look, we all, you know. If the accusations are correct, it's abhorrent. And if he's innocent, we all want to see him play again. But it's not our place to prove one way or the other. We need to let due course, you know, uh, with with the accusations. Because, you know, how can how can we judge the situation? Well, we don't know that. But the, the way it's being handled... Now, they're talking about the... the that are never, and then they may give um, Baker Mayfield to another team and then give the other team draft picks to take his salary, which, which is just ridiculous. I mean, if you're Baker Mayfield, right, if he, if he ever recovers from this psychologically, fair play to him. Because you've not only been told that we'd rather take a punt on Deshaun Watson, which... As we just said, you know, the things hanging over that guy's head and we'd rather have him in our locker room than you. And then also, like you say, the team's basically paying another team to give you away. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you recover... As, a, as the number one overall pick. Yeah. You're getting into, like, Ryan Leaf. Not Ryan Leaf territory. You're getting into... You're certainly getting into, like... In fact, that whole... You know what's so funny? That whole draft class was so hyped up, wasn't it? Because it was Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. Was Patrick Mahomes in that group? Or was he the year before, year after? I, I thought it was Patrick Mahomes and Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky as well, maybe in that same year. No, no, the year no, they were the year before. They were both oh, the Goff. Goff was the other one. So maybe it was Darnold, Baker Mayfield and Goff. No, Goff was the same year as Wentz. So year, so year before them, right. Goff and Wentz were the year after. Yeah. Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes and Trubitsky with the year before. So either way, I think it's interesting that 
those three or four years, I think were talked about as like really high end quarterback draft classes, like elite level draft classes. And there's only like one out of five that's even still a, a starter. And oh, well, yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes went quite far down the middle order as well, didn't he? He went. Well, famously, he could have gone to Chicago and he could have gone to somebody else before Kansas City. Chicago's yeah. a big one. Matt Nagy actively passed on Patrick Mahomes to take Mitchell Trubisky. Not, not only passed, but absolutely gave away shitloads of picks to get Mitchell Trubisky. It's so funny, isn't it? Like it's it's crazy how no other team it seems in. Although to be honest, the one position this is interesting, right? About the Patriots, I think the Patriots for twenty years, them and Pittsburgh had consistently the best drafting process. They just picked, they didn't pick the best players. They picked the best players for their team, their system, what they needed, and were quite. You're sorry. Baltimore's been pretty good at. Drafting. Yeah, Ravens. Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, let's say those three, been pretty pretty solid. Patriots obviously had the most success. But the one position none of those teams had to draft except the Ravens towards the end was quarterback. Mm. But Bill Belichick never had to draft a quarterback to replace Tom Brady in that whole run. And he didn't he didn't really I mean they sort of scouted Tom Brady, took him on. They didn't like they weren't they weren't excited about him, high on him. And uh Tomlin, you know I, by definition, you're not excited about them if they take them at 199. Exactly, hundred percent. So I, I think it's interesting that even like the, even the best. Let's just take Pittsburgh and um, uh, Patriots out there by themselves. Even the two best teams when it comes to drafting never had to contend with we're going to draft a quarterback and get that get that decision right in the last like twenty years. It's virtually impossible. Well, you know that no one's done it very well because we keep on talking about every draft prospect as the best since Andrew Luck. Evidently, none of them were because we would change the same. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great point. Yeah, if you're still going back 10, 12 years to a draft pick, yeah, it'd be like, uh, <laughs> like if you're like a musician, he's the best guitarist since Paul McCartney. Like, well, shouldn't there have been a few? Shouldn't there have been a few in the middle in between that? Paul McCartney played the guitar? I thought he played the recorder. Um, yeah, it was, it was that or was, oh, one of those Bop It kits. Was it one of those Bop It kits? That would have been fun. I, I, I'd like to have seen the Beatles incorporate something like that into their recording sessions. You know, like if, if they'd have gone on too long and they'd have gone into like the 80s prog rock phase. And it's just like a, a synth. Can you, can you imagine like John Lennon with a synth? Xylophone? Anything to stop them talking. <laughs> Yeah, John Lennon was the pro. He was the prototype for the uh, annoying Hollywood influencer, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Like, he no yeah, exactly. And we'd all like to do that to him. Like, because if you if you've seen that photograph of like they're doing the whole give peace a chance war protesting, and that like, the maids making up the bed for them, and it's like this whole big protest about anti-capitalism and how we need to like bring down the man and then they'll say room service and they just <laughs> if it was taken today they'd be on, on their phones scrolling checking the likes on their anti-capitalism protests <laughs> so where do you reckon Baker Mayfield will go and for what 
well, there's a little rumor that you might go to Pittsburgh. That was a li- that was a little really? that was a little rumor. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like that back. Would they trade within the division? Well, usually, if you trade within the division, that tells you how low or how like little regard they hold the player in. Yeah, if they're like, yeah, sure, he's not a big threat, he's not a big whatever. Yeah, take him. I I think Baker Mayfield's either going to land somewhere really dysfunctional, like Jacksonville or um, Jacksonville. No, but somewhere somewhere like with a with a fucking ridiculous culture, similar to the Browns. Um, like if um if uh like you could see an AFC East team taking him. See an NFC East team taking him, or he's going to go to a team with a brilliant culture who thinks this lad just needs a bit of guidance and a bit of support. So, your prediction is he's going to go somewhere with a bad culture or somewhere with a good culture? Thank God you're here. Yeah, I know, really adding value. The I think it it, it, it asks for one of those two extremes, though. He won't go to like a team that's like trying to be good. Like, he wouldn't have gone... If Russell Wilson hadn't gone to the Broncos, he wouldn't have gone to the Broncos. Right. I, I mean, the most obvious one is Seattle, but mm-hmm. um, I love the idea of going to Pittsburgh. I love the idea of going to Pittsburgh and having a horrendous couple of seasons and then he never plays again. He's... He, Megan Mayfield also strikes me as one of those guys who he's either one bad season away from a meth problem or from a, <laughs> or from a giant TV contract. Yeah, you know I, mean? I could. See, do you know what I mean? I could see either in his, in his future. I'm rooting for. I want. I want to see it come back. I want to see. I want to see him. It'd be great to see him play for Pittsburgh and have to play the Browns twice a year and fucking humble them. It would Wouldn't be it? brilliant. If like if all that was missing was a really really strong coach to, to yeah. tell him what to do. Like strong, no strong, sexy coach. Yeah, Mike Tomlin is your. Mike Tomlin for you is my Italian under twenties. <laughs> this is the this is the vision board which I've pinned up. Uh, in the most heterosexual way possible, I was thinking. I wondered if uh, my main problem with Owen Farrell is he's repulsively ugly. Yeah, yeah, he's got. Um, it looks like he's wearing a crash helmet all the time. Wow. The thing is, his head looks oversized. But not everybody can be as angelically beautiful as Finn Russell. That is true. That is true. Well, look, he's, he's sort of like a council estate angel. You don't think? He's got a bit of that, like, all right, Paul, you have two pints of tea, don't suit the back of the fucking cloud we're on, mate, you know? You got any scag in heaven, mate, you know? Do you think... Um... Do you think the Giants have given up on Daniel Jones, but are just letting this season roll out because they don't want either the one, either of the two quarterbacks in this year's draft? Yeah, I do. I think speaking of how tricky quarterback drafting is, I think that that front office and that ownership group is so gun shy now because since since the Coughlin era, they've just made bad decision after bad decision after yeah. bad decision. Truly really awful. Truly awful, but but they don't suffer for it the way small market teams do because 
they are the they are the New York Giants. They're always going to have huge corporate interest in sponsoring the team, brand deals, fucking bankers who want tickets. You know, so they're not under the same pressure that some other teams are to get these things right. But I, I agree with you 100%. I think that it's like, until it's the second coming of Peyton Manning or until it's like an absolute gold star recruit, we're a bit reticent to dive in. And this and this year's draft class certainly doesn't seem to be the one where you would roll the dice on a quarterback. But, uh, I mean, I... I... Because they've got Atlanta just behind them in the draft, anybody who wants to have a quarterback is going to be desperate to trade above Atlanta because Atlanta are almost definitely going to draft a quarterback. Yeah. So even though people say that this is a quarterback weak draft, they're still going to go two in the top ten. Yeah. Um, no. so, there's a high, there's a chance that, that one of them goes at number two to, to Detroit. Detroit aren't, you know, bought in on golf and they bring in one of these two guys because I watched a bit of their, their pro days and not that I know what I'm looking at, but they look like NFL quarterbacks to me. <laughs> um, you know, I, I didn't see anything in the tape that I've seen of them that made me think they were any less of a player than Daniel Jones, for instance, or a Carson Wentz or yeah. a Daniel uh, Daniel Goff? Who's Daniel Goff? You're not making um, two really shit quarterbacks become a Frankenstein-y shit yeah. quarterback. <laughs> very tall, very uh, white, very inaccurate. But, um, yeah, I those two, those two guys, regardless of people saying next week, are going to go in the top ten. And I, I think we can, we can put money on Atlanta wanting one of them because they're completely quarterbackless now. So, I would imagine if a Pittsburgh or a Carolina want one of these two guys, or even a Seattle, so depending on who Baker Mayfield goes to, because Seattle and Pittsburgh are the two bookies' favourite for where he lands. Mm -hmm. So if he goes to one of them, then the other one's going to want... So... One of those four teams may cough up a, a big, a yeah. big haul of picks to get the Giants' top draft pick. And also, the, the, I mean, there's a chance apparently that again, I'm just repeating what other people think as I don't watch college football, but the Giants obviously want an offensive lineman, but there's a chance that they could go in the top five before they get to the Giants, uh, in which case... Yeah, I think if that happens, that's when the Giants will trade down, I think. I think if they don't get the offensive lineman they want, I think they'll right. think it's better off, we're better off trading down and getting a few more pieces in the middle of their second and third round. Um, yeah. They're just taking, taking some in the first round just for the sake of it that we don't need necessarily. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky, it's a tricky one because it. I mean, they need everything, so you know, the best best player available could never be more appropriate because there isn't a single position that the Giants are, are sorted apart from running back, which is great because the we're apparently going to be playing in the league in two thousand and one, so I'm, I'm glad we have a franchise running back in two thousand and twenty two. That's uh, and look, he is fit one in eight games, so. It is, yeah, so be grateful. 
So we, and I don't know if you've seen his, his squats. They're very impressive. Very impressive squats. Oh, they are very impressive. They, uh, Dude, he didn't it's, fucking well. It's very, very, very rare that I have thigh envy. <laughs> Saquon Barkley will give anyone thigh envy for sure. Have you seen, he did very, him and Baker Mayfield actually did fucking well getting onto that. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, the NFL made that 100 years of the NFL ad. Oh, yeah. Two seasons ago. And Saquon, and Barkley, were... Saquon Barkley and Baker Mayfield got in, got in the ad. It's like, that is, you've, you've done very well there, boys. Yeah. Done yeah. Very well. You're in there with like Barry Sanders and Tom Brady and Jerry Rice and you, know, you two chances. Dan Marino. Yeah, Saquon, Saquon Barkley is going to be um, running a local Toyota dealership in two years. He is. He's going to be like living such, such a waste of his. The Giants have wa- not only was that a bad pick for the New York Giants, but it was a terrible pick for Barkley. I mean, he could have gone to a, you know, if he'd fallen a couple more places, the, the Giants had actually picked something that they needed, like the fucking right tackle or whatever, then he could have fallen to a team and had a glorious career, but he's been absolutely wasted by Big Blue. Absolutely. I mean, imagine if he'd have gone, like, you know, and if, like you say, if he'd have ended up at, like, a Seattle or a, or a, or a Baltimore or... <laughs> Even like LA Chargers, you like look at the career Melvin Gordon had, or like a couple of years Melvin yeah. Gordon's had. You know, like, I hope the Giants do trade back because having two picks next year would be very advantageous if they decide to move on from Daniel Jones, which I think they probably have already decided to move on from yeah. Daniel Jones. So having two picks. So in that case, we don't really want to trade with Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh will do well. So that first round pick won't be that high. It will be, you know, at, at best a 15th or 16th, uh, you know, pick. You, you want to do the trade with a team that's going to be horseshit. Uh, step forward, the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, step forward, the uh, Carolina Panthers. Uh, <laughs> Because they, you know, they they can they can get their new college guy. Rule will be it'll be rules. Uh, Matt rules uh, last throw of the dice to keep his job. It'll mm-hmm. put everything on that young buck's shoulders. Uh, a quarterback that everybody was saying wasn't a franchise quarterback beforehand, but due yeah. to market pressures, he ends up going in the top five. Yeah, Matt rule. Matt Rule puts his entire career on that poor boy's shoulders and it all folds in on itself. And then the Giants get another top three pick in return and then we can actually pick the quarterback we want. There we go. Solve the problem. Hold it. He seems to get a letter off to to the uh, Mara family ASAP. (laughs) This is it. We seem to to ruin two men's lives in a different state. And then... We march on. Jacken coming out of college, being a quarterback in the NFL, is the most high pressure thing in sport. Yeah, probably. I, yeah, yeah. Can't think of anything else. Either that'll be an Owen Farrell's makeup artist. But uh, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> other than that, I mean, it's got to be like. You're 22, 23, and you're happy. You're basically being asked to be the CEO of a company, or like in the world of business, if you're like going 
like you're right you're managing you're just fresh out of university like you're a managing director now that's it you you're in charge of like everyone everyone's jobs are there's no other position there's no other position like quarterback in it and and the fact that you're thrown straight in to be a starter nine times out of ten rather than than understudy for a year or two and and, and learn um i mean everybody always cites the aaron Rodgers and the patrick mahomes learning at the knee of another quarterback but they cite those two because it's so rare you normally put the guy straight in and then you have a car crash yeah and then it's it, it's so it's amazing how quickly they deteriorate you know, from RG3 to Carson Wentz, how somebody who was considered in their first year, mm. the second coming, can just drop out of nothing, you know. I remember the one I felt most sorry for was Sam Darnold. Because I remember watching a Monday night game when he was still on the Jets, playing the Patriots. And Bill Belichick, you know, Bill Belichick's usually very cagey about everything. Like during the week, yeah. he was like, we're going to throw some different looks at this kid and he's not going to know what's going on. And you're like, oh shit, if Bill's like that. And then, and then they did. And he, he was mic'd up and he came to the sidelines and just went, he was panicking. He went, I'm seeing ghosts. I'm seeing ghosts. I, 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 I don't know where they're coming from. And I don't know that. And he, and he looked visibly, and they cut to a commercial break because he was basically having a meltdown, like while he was mic'd up. And it was like being in that moment in the playground, like where you've been like giving out some shit to somebody. Then they start crying, and you're like, "Oh, I didn't want you to. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't mean for you to. I didn't want that. I just, I, I just thought your coat was weird." <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, he. he I mean, I, obviously, I don't know Sam Donald. I've never met him. Never been in, you know, in his vicinity in the slices. But he did feel like a, just a boy who was not ready to for that type of role. I'm sure he, you know, if he'd been a, you know, not with any disrespect to our other beloved sport of rugby, if he was just graduating onto the seniors of a professional rugby side, I'm sure he would, you know, would have had a couple of years where he's learning the ropes and then come forward. But to, to take the helm of an NFL side as a quarterback, you have to, I mean, that was what everybody, you know, so I, was, I mean, people go on about the fact that, uh, Fitch Magic went to Harvard, but clever quarterbacks hang around. You know, Tom Brady has never had any particular athletic talent, you know, but he's the, the most uh, decorated quarterback of all time. You know, the, the Mannings had very little athletic talent, you know, but they're the smarter students of the game. And also the less emotional, the slight... Um, yeah, one one bands around terms like psychopath or retard, but um, <laughs> and Eli Manning was somehow both. <laughs> he, he was he was but, that winning combo. <laughs> being all too human, I think, really, oh yeah, really inhibits you. If you have the natural sensitivities of a twenty-one year, it's. I, I, a uh, female comedian played Ross's girlfriend in the last season of Friends, oh. now is on The Voice and does voices for... Um, I know you mean. I know you the mean. The horse Jackman. I nearly want to see Alicia Keys. It's not Alicia Keys. Uh, it's going out of my head. 
But he, she used to say, if anybody starts playing a guitar on hard knocks, you know they're going to be dropped in the next round. Yeah. Anybody who's got feelings, anybody who cries over a letter, uh, they're like, oh, they'll be dead. Yeah. Oh, so Andy Haynes, what's the name? So that's really annoying me. Yeah, exactly. Any, anyone who shows any emotion ever. Mm. Um, it's just, it's not the environment, it's not that environment where, which is, which is odd because you need to have uh, an emotional intensity, like a commitment to what you're doing, which is a different type of thing, I guess. But yeah, you can't have self-reflection. Maybe it's like self-reflection more than, it's like, it's like the same trait that apparently they reckon it's what um, like bankers and stock traders have. Because I always thought this, I was like, I've got mates who are like traders and they got like two twos at university or like did, did like, you know, fucking PE at uni. Yeah, they're, they're not deep thinkers, are they? No. They're, they're people. And I, I remember like- Being a deep thinker probably gets in the way in most things in life. Almost, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, probably like creative, creativity is probably like the one exception. But even then, there's, there's, we, we know loads of people who, who are like, prepared just like bullishly march themselves forward. Um, it's a con controversial statement to make, uh, but I... I see a lot of comics sell very simple ideas, but because they sell them particularly well because they think they're great ideas. And often the comic that thinks too deeply about something will throw away that idea without thinking, you know, because they think they see it for a simple idea. But sometimes it's just better to go out there without the self-criticism, without the, the judgment and just go and knock a simple knock-knock joke out of the park. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, uh, and the audience will receive in kind, but if you're constantly looking at what's in your notebook and thinking it's not good enough, and you're constantly hunting for the holy grail of something more meaningful, more interesting, you forget the fact that you're just telling jokes for a living and you just need to say belly button in a funny accent. Yeah, she's a hard consonant, that'll work. Yeah, I, I, de I definitely had one of those on the weekend, definitely, because trying some new stuff and... Uh, it was probably more um, common, common social commentary based. Nothing, nothing about like cancel culture or politics or anything like that. It was just about um, it, was, well, it was about the hair stuff. Right. And, and you could definitely see the, the audience was like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm interested. Like I almost like I'm interested to the point where I'm more interested in this. I'm more interested in your perspective than I am in the jokes. Does that make yeah. sense? Well, like everyone's like smiling. Like I mean, it's difficult to do both. That's what I mean. Even you know, even Bill Hicks would he he would do some some social commentary and it wouldn't get much of a reaction. And he would use the catchphrase, uh, "Don't worry, there's a dick joke coming along in a minute." Yeah, you've got to eat your greens of social commentary before you can have a dick joke for dessert. Yeah. Uh, so you know, even he would do his bits that were meaningful, but they didn't get as big a laugh and then he'd do something a bit cheap and he got a big laugh it, the, the, the holy grail is something that seems to be you know something that you stand by and you think that was that was insightful and it got a huge laugh but, norm, but unfortunately i think a lot of people have to 
slice the two together. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit heartbreaking. A bit heartbreaking. Yeah, it is sometimes. I guess like it's similar in sport, I guess, in that there's like there's the idea of how you want to play a game, whether it's rugby or the NFL. Like, you know, you know it's why Bill Walsh has like a philosophy of like how he see how the game should have been delivered and how beautiful mm-hmm. it should be. Like he called it ballet, didn't he? He was like, he loved Joe Montana because he moved, he moved like a ballerina. And then there's like just winning, just like game points on the board, squeezing teams, you know, which let's call it the Owen Farrell way of approaching. Yeah, I was just about to say the same, you know, the, the, the Owen Farrell, Tom Brady's who are, are not exciting to watch. They don't make it an interesting game, but their percentages and their winning is sideful. Did you see uh, the tackle he made uh, uh, against Bristol at the weekend? Yeah, it's a joke. Yeah, it's, a joke. it's an absolute joke. He yeah. went in vertical, just like Charlie Hills did in the when he got sent off in the second minute of the England game. Yeah, went in vertical. His head, his shoulder makes direct contact with the Bristol player's head, and he doesn't use his arms. They call it back. The TMO sees it, tells the ref to stop the game. And the ref shits his pants because it's Owen Farrell and goes, I just need to see you do the arms. Yeah, you need to see the arms. And if he doesn't do it, he gets sent off. And They're off. the rules. Yeah. They are the fucking rules. And almost like selfishly, as an England fan, you want him to get sent off because, like, if, he, if that happens in a world, I mean, whatever we say about Owen Farrell, he's a valuable member of the England team or well, England setup. So, like, if he does that in a World Cup quarterfinal or a group game, that's it. He's missing. Or if he does it in the first round of the Six Nations, he's missing all Six Nations. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's just... Like, I, don't know who, I don't know who he's got photos of. Yeah. He's got photos no. of, like, the, the a member of the board of the RFU <laughs> fucking a goat or something. I think everyone's got those photos. I think you get given those when you play for England. That's like, well, you're sending a welcome pack. <laughs> this is me, this is the wife, this is the goat. <laughs> um, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, yeah. I just could not believe it. And it was even the way that the ref said it. Sort of like stroking him. I just need, I just need to see you use your arms a bit more because actually that. <laughs> I can't stop Owen Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> that was, on my end, I don't know if it's going to show up on the recording, but on my end, during that whole amazing act out, you were frozen in this in this position. <laughs> so I really hope that stays that which way. Is, which was actually the position that the referee was taking during that exchange. Right. So yeah, I think the, I think the key thing to take away from that little chat was um, Owen Farrell is a vicious little cunt and uh, continues to get away with assault on rugby pitches regardless of the rules. I don't know how people go, oh, he's obviously got a target on his back now, but, and yet he keeps on not being sent off. Yeah, well, or, or, it's not... or he's got a target on people's foreheads also. <laughs> but, I mean, if he were constantly got sent off and everybody went, well, he's got a target on his back because he's the England captain, or he's been held up to a higher scrutiny to anybody else, n- none of that is true. He constantly tackles without his arms. He constantly tackles without bending at the waist. And he's never sent off for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if he did to... If, if, an, if a South African-Australian player did what he did in that autumn series three years ago, whatever it was, 
consecutive weeks, the English public will be like, there's a bunch of thugs. allowed on the pitch again you know action as well but um but yeah we're meant to be protecting people's health we're meant to be protecting the game of rugby so it can still exist in a generation's time yeah. because if we keep on having players getting into dementia at 50 then um are you still there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so just got offered a gig <laughs> just saying yeah <laughs> Uh, you switched to like a little gnome on my screen, your little screensaver, man. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna keep developing the game if uh, if people think that the most, the highest profile player in England. Also, as well, it's it's comp behavior change is very complicated, right? Game and the red card is like one instrument. There's a longer term thing about coaching directives and. You know, how do you coach? How do you get coaches to keep asking players to be aggressive without doing things that are no longer legal? But another aspect to it is watching what high profile players do because the rest of the league or younger players or players coming through are just like subconsciously, like, well, you know, Bowen Farrell's doing it. It's, it, it, it can't be that serious or it can't be that meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, he did. He, he just seems to get away with a lot, a lot that other players, you know. I mean, you know, both of us are big fans of uh, Danny, both Danny Cares playing and his co uh, honest commentary off the pitch, and he goes on all the time about the Owen Farrell effect that everybody ups their game when he's around and. I keep on hearing players that I respect say that. So it must be true because there's no other reason why this dullard hmm. is allowed to, <laughs> allowed to not be a particularly exciting player and constantly cheat. Yeah. <laughs> what does he bring? Yeah, exactly. He must bring something. What, what do you reckon's worse for rugby, right? The watching you know, Owen Farrell. Farrell. <laughs> very good um would, would you reckon would, would you reckon we might have a close second so it's either COVID. <laughs> aids owen farrell so would you rather the answer is always owen farrell it's always owen farrell um at least she gets yeah so what's worse for rugby owen farrell putting in another no arms headshot kill shot tackle or watching yet another second row in space, not being able to execute a basic two-on-one. Yeah. <laughs> Is this your reaction to the, the last-minute try or not try? Not try. Bristol. The old, the old double, double pump jump. That, that was so devastating. I mean, it was so blatantly forward. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no defending it. Um, oh, wouldn't that have been so great if they stole it and, and in Saracen's big day in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? Oh, it would have been it would have been delicious. Yeah, it would have been stolen away from them. I know, I know. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. Oh, sorry. Go on. Go ahead. Well, you know, they've they've never. I mean, we now have to use a term that you know these terms that didn't exist five minutes ago. Now everybody's using them like 
all court game. I don't remember when I was playing rugby, no one ever referred to all court game because, as far as I remember, we played it on a pitch. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, now you do have, you know, you've got your Johnny Hills doing fucking kicks from his own 25. Uh, you know, locks are far more athletic than they used to be, but it's still not the skills that they're selected on. You, you know what I mean? They, they have become a more three-dimensional athlete running in space doing kicks but you don't select a lock on their handling skills no no exactly and so yeah but i mean it it just it just it just waits too long to make the pass doesn't he i think uh, so the, he's too the winger has no has no choice but to overtake him because he's coming in at speed yeah. hoping to get the ball at speed so that he's at full speed at the point of catching the ball so that he'll beat the defender as it happened it was really wasn't a defender yeah. because they had a two and one but but the, the lock tries to hang on to it for too long was he being selfish was he trying to do it himself or did he just this time it, I don't know. I think he's got too confident, right? I think he's his skill level. My argument is it's not that his skill level's too low, his skill level's too high. So he he's one of these front fives who I can train in. He's like, oh, look at ball behind the back doing all this. I'm amazing. So he's he's got overly confident in his head and his big giraffe face and gone like I can do the old double pump. Because not only am I skillful enough to execute a two-on-one, I'm so fucking skillful. I can do this in a bit of a NRL, give me like, you know, a little show and go. No, you can't, mate. Right. You're a big rhinoceros, like galloping. Yeah. Just do the simple thing. Like Brody Retallick probably has less skills than that guy. But Brody Retallick in space is going like, pass, pass. Yeah. And probably and, and, yeah. they, and they probably score. It's heartbreaking, heartbreaking for anybody who isn't on the side of the Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> Which for anyone who's never listened before, we firmly established through a decent amount of evidence that Saracens are in fact the modern equivalent of the Nazi pie. Um, the Third Reich. The Third Reich. The Fourth Reich. Um, that's that's what their stars are on their chest. It's not championships one. <laughs> so we are the one, two, three, fourth Reich. Um, yeah. When I think of second rows, I don't, I don't imagine any second row ever speaking words. In my head, second rows just speak in like... There's, all, there's always a reaction to whenever a, a, a specifically a type five player comes out as an erudite... Um, commentator yeah. uh, uh, or when um, I mean I always loved uh, um, I said I loved him and then I can't remember his name ex-England captain hooker Dylan Hartley mm. and people were like I loved him as a player but um, but people were like when he came out he was taught he, he's so sort of humble and self-effacing uh, and yet relatively you know relatively erudite yeah yeah and it seems it seems to really take people's breath away what he can, he can bite people and construct sentences yeah 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 like a well-trained dog yeah yeah like a like a relatively intelligent parrot <laughs>
It, might, I mean, it almost seems wrong how erudite Martin Johnson is as well. Do you reckon there's a difference between if you, if pre-professionalism, where like you had to exist in the real world? So you had to have a basic level of... Well, both of those players played entirely in the professional era. Now, Martin Johnson would have been first... Well, he made his debut... Played play the 93 Lions, and he made his... Started playing for Leicester in, like, 1990 or something. So he'd have had a good four or five years of non-professionalism. Wow. Dylan, wow. Hartley, Dylan Hartley, definitely fully professional. But with Martin Johnson, I, I, I wonder, like, yeah. What was his... What was his job in his first couple of years? I wonder. He was at, he was at the Midland Bank. Load of Leicester players all worked at the Midland Bank. Wow. Yeah, because it was like it was like a strict. Yo, sorry. Good knowledge. Oh man, I was such a Leicester Tigers nose. So, because you always have this image of um, uh, amateur rugby players all being fighter pilots or barristers or policemen, but apparently there were some that just were. Till girls at the local. Uh... Imagine that. Imagine Martin, imagine going to the bank and Martin Johnson's this giant human being is like. Oh, like I just wanted to have a chat about my credit card, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll leave that. I'll leave it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave cash. For you. Just a tip. Just a tip. Just a tip. Martin Johnson's the only guy who's robbed a bank unintentionally. <laughs> so no, I'm just I'm just gonna get my wages. Take it all. Take it all. Apparently him, him and Neil Back worked in the same bank. That's hilarious. Neil Back, right? He's one of these sportsmen that went through some sort of transformation where you genuinely think that he might have been possessed by an alien. Because mm. if you look at photos of him in his first incarnation, uh, when he had sort of long shoulder length blonde hair, and he's quite a pretty boy, and then he goes away, eats 10 kilos of creatine a day, uh, loses his hair and comes back not only with muscles where everybody else has muscles, but a six pack on his face. Uh, he looks like a different human being. Yeah. When you say he went away and ate a lot of protein, I think what you meant to say is he went away and injected a lot of Mexican supplements. Right. Well, well I mean, like, at that, at that period in rugby, like, no one was testing for shit. Like, from... 1994, 95, 96, which is like when he got, when he started getting really jacked before the 1997 Lions tour. Right. And in that period in rugby, especially for someone who wasn't on the England scene or in the international setup, like, no, I mean, there was always loads of rumours about players like uh, Jamie Roberts, who even in like sort of the late, well, 2010s, I guess, went away to Australia for a medical sabbatical and came back with like, why is your jaw? Why is your jaw bigger than your chest? How does that work? It's definitely not human growth hormone. I'll tell you what it isn't. It isn't human growth hormone. That's what that's what it isn't. And I've got loads of doctor friends who'll attest to it. It's definitely what it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I think Neil Back was a lot of like Leicester um courage and even more Mexican supplements, I think. It was probably Mexican. Yeah, well, yeah. Apparently, that's where the best roids are. All right, not just a, a nickname that Finn Russell has for his penis. <laughs> the Mexican supplement. You're ready for your Mexican supplement. <laughs> I apologise in advance. It's not really a burrito. It's more of a taco. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but it is, but it is likely to give you a, a fiery burn. I'll tell you that. <laughs> there will be salt in your eye. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about the guacamole. It's a disgusting. Right, well, I think that's. I think we've covered the league in shit. Um, yeah. Anything else? Last little thing. What did you see? Ugo Amonia going a bit of trouble with the RFU. Yeah. I, well, I heard him make a sort of semi-apology, but there wasn't an apology, which suggested that he had been somehow. He called them dishonest. He used the yeah. word dishonest uh, to describe the statement they released about England's um, roundup of their Six Nations. Yeah. And uh, it's just tricky one because he works with the RFU in quite in sort of quite a few capacities. But what I found most interesting was why I didn't I didn't I don't, I don't know if you cared very much about the statement the RFU made after the Six Nations. I didn't. It seemed like every other corporate statement any other company would make like oh things are going well not as bad as you think corporation lying to us i know it's like i don't oh, i don't God. understand why you you was so personally invested in the rfu not say but also what do you what do you want to say yeah no it wasn't very good we'd like to be better than that like yeah i mean yeah i mean it, it the, the the war of words continues well, why, you know, why why do we care what uh, an unsigned letter from the RFU says? And equally, why do we care? Yeah. And I love Good Morning to Pizza, one of my favourite. I nearly threw my teeth. When uh, Jeremy Guskett said he wasn't physical enough for a test player, I nearly threw my TV out of the window. Jeremy Guskett never made a fucking tackle in his life. Yeah. Being an unlooked model, for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Uh, you know, I, I love Egan when he a bits, but the idea that his reaction to an unsigned letter should be something of controversy is... I mean, I know here we are talking about it. It's just yeah. it's folding in the nonsense on the nonsense, isn't it? But, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think uh, Danny Kay had a really good quote this week. He said, like, whoever coaches England, they're making it to the semi-final of the World Cup. That's, that's, the, that's the truth. So... The only difference... Yeah, I'm sure they said that before their home England, the England <laughs> World Cup at home, they said that as well. They managed to fuck that up, didn't they? They did. No, that is very true. But here's the thing, here's the thing, and let's wrap up on this. Yeah. The difference between Lancaster's England, where he wouldn't pick anybody he didn't think was a thoroughly good person, so he left out... Uh, uh, managing Langy for questions about his off off yeah. uh, pit behaviour, he left out Danny Care because of some uh, um, uh, alcohol related issues and stuff. Uh, and he went to the World Cup with a team of thoroughly good chaps, but unfortunately weren't professional rugby players. Um, and then at the other scale, you've got the Cleveland Browns giving the most money ever given to one player ever in the NFL. To a man who's got twenty odd outstanding sexual assault claims against him, at what point do you draw the line? Was Lancaster wrong to go to that World Cup with any without anybody who had a moral stain on their character, and was or is you know those two extremes probably are both wrong, right? Yeah, 
10 sexual assault claims. <laughs> no more than 10. It's an even number. It's good to know where the line is. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 It's probably there. Right. Good. Right. Well, that's, uh, that's ended my career for the week. Uh, that's been another episode of Odd Shape Balls. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>